Great. Uh, okay, so we're going to jump into Second uh, Peter. We're still in chapter one. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses specifically five through 11 this morning. Um, I do want to again thank Paul Stiver for preaching last week um, and looking at verses uh, four and or sorry, uh, three and four and and how just the background of the, the whole thing is Second Peter growing in grace. And he just talked about how much uh, how important, obviously, this grace is that we have everything that we need uh, in our lives as far as our faith is concerned to grow in godliness, to, to be more like Christ because of the grace that um, God has given us through Christ. And so um, one thing I do want to mention again on the 18th, that's uh, literally, of course, my today's the 16th. So that's going to be on Tuesday night. This Tuesday, we have our annual meeting that'll be done virtually. I sent out a link. I didn't realize you're supposed to RSVP to that. I think I just sent you the Zoom link. It should be okay. But I know there's a there's like a max number that we can fit on that Zoom call. But um, whatever, it'll be fine. Uh, but at that annual meeting, we'll be voting on Josh and Paul to officially become elders. I've been referring to them as elders. They keep calling themselves uh, elders in training, uh, but we're ready to take the training wheels off and uh, let them let them start actually fully functioning as elders. Not that they already are, uh, so it's really just semantics at this point, but uh, we get to vote on that. So I want you to show your support uh, to those guys. Love them and very thankful for them. So speaking of taking the training wheels off, how did you learn to ride the bike? Or maybe who taught you how to ride the bike? You can put it in the comments if you want. Um, I'll give you a couple of minutes to, to do that. If you have a funny story, that's fine. I, I want to share how I learned how to ride a bike. Actually, in the PowerPoint, if you clicked on the link, I've got a couple of pictures of some parents teaching their kids to ride the bike. There's a dad with his little boy, and the little boy is just elated, right? I mean, he's just just ear-to-ear -ear smile, and the dad's laughing, having a good time. And then there's a mom teaching a little girl how to ride a bike. And the girl is happy, but the mom looks a little, a little petrified. <laughs> she looks a little, she's like, you know, it's like the dad was like, honey, smile. And she's like, hey, <laughs> like she doesn't look too thrilled about this idea of letting go of the handlebars. Um, funny story about me, because and when you just, I just Googled, uh, you know, kid learning to ride a bike and you go to the image, all of them are with their parents, right? Mom or dad or mom and dad helping them learn how to, how to ride a bike. And actually... I did not, uh, my parents did not teach me how to ride a bike. So Emily, I say you say Ben refused to let anyone teach him ride a bike. Does that mean he doesn't know how to ride a bike or did he learn on his own? See that could, you could meet, that could go both ways. I'm guessing Ben just never learned how to ride a bike. Um, I'm just kidding. For me though, it wasn't my parents. It wasn't my mom or my dad. It was actually my sister, Amy and her older friend, Yvonne Melford, actually taught me how to ride a bike. I don't know how old I was, four or five, maybe. I know I was very young, uh, but my my buddy, Sean Melford, had this little, little tiny blue bike, and they lived on this, on a street, imagine that, um, but it kind of went downhill just slightly, I mean, gradually, and, but they're one of their neighbors, and I don't remember how far down it was, their driveway had this half foot, maybe a foot tall brick wall on both sides of the driveway. All right. So, so both sides of the driveway were these brick walls. Why? I don't know. Cause that, I mean, you, it didn't make any, I don't know why it wasn't like aesthetically pleasing. If you're listening, no offense, you're probably not. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, 
And I remember learning to ride the bike and I don't even want to know how many times that I'm going down the sidewalk and you're wobbling, right? You're not, cause they didn't, you know, we were, I was little and they were young. I think Yvonne was only four years older than me. So she would have been nine, you know, at the, at the most, she probably wasn't holding on to the back, you know, doing the mom and dad thing. It was probably just get on and pedal and pedal and keep going. So you're, you know, you're all wobbly and janky. And then I would just slam into that stupid brick wall um, way too many times. And I mean, it's, it's, it probably scarred me, you know, on my physical body, but it definitely scarred me mentally. Lauren, uh, you say my dad took me to Toys R Us and told me to pick out a toy. Amazing day for any child. We got home and he put it on top of the fridge and told me I couldn't open it until I learned how to ride. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, uh, that is, that is, that is great. <laughs> Uh, my, my dad did something similar, uh, with tying my shoe. He actually did something very, very similar. So yeah, cruel, uh, but effective. <laughs> it, it did, it did work. So yeah. So I'm sure everyone's got a, a different story. Maybe it was just fun. You picked it up. No problem. Uh, I never did the training wheels thing. Uh, my son, Henry, we got him a, uh, well, the neighbor got him a, uh, one of those, uh, balance bikes. He won't sit down on it. He just kind of straddles it and just kind of walks with it. He doesn't sit and scoot. He's never going to learn. Um, maybe he will until Jack. Jack will start doing it before him. Then he's going to go, wait a second. Okay, where are we at? That actually has a point. Okay, and there's a, actually a big point of learning how to ride a bike, but I'm going to come back to that. Okay, I'm going to leave you a little bit hanging here. Okay, so this this sermon today is entitled, Add to Your Faith. Right, and that's going to just a direct quote from the passage we're looking at today. Add to your faith. Um, and again, this is going to be second Peter chapter one, we're looking at verses five through 11. So I'm just going to go back cause it's not a whole lot. Um, I'm just going to go back and read everything we've covered so far. It's just four verses. Um, so the first week I looked at the intro last week, Peter, or sorry, Paul looked ahead, uh, verses three and four, and then I'll continue. So it says this, uh, starting off Simon, Peter, a servant, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Remember again here, he's calling Jesus Christ his God, have received a faith, right? It's been given to us. He even says by by lot, like by rolling the dice, I didn't do anything special uh, to deserve this. God said, I'm going to give you faith, all right? We've received faith, and he says as precious as ours, and right, and he's Jewish, and he's talking to uh, Gentile or any other ethnicity that's not uh, Jewish, and he's saying, "Yeah, this is this is it's the same here. We're equal, even though I'm an apostle and I'm Jewish. It's the same here. We're on the same page. Grace and peace be yours in abundance." And that's how he opens up First uh, Peter. But here he's going to add, "Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge." of God and of Jesus, our Lord, that we need to think, we need to learn and grow in our knowledge, our understanding of who God is and who Christ is um, and the theology behind that. And actually, so when I went through those two verses, we got down kind of in the nitty gritty, right? The, just looking at the words and the, what does this mean and nuances of that. Another way that when you're doing that, when you're just reading through your Bible and kind of slowly and, and, and look at words that are repeated, and, and Peter is actually about to use that word knowledge uh, one, two, three, four, five times right here in these opening verses. The knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus. Okay, he's trying to hone in on a point here. Um, and he says, so then now continuing what, what uh, uh, Paul covered last week, 
His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. Through these, he has given us a very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. And then getting into, right, so we've got everything we need. This grace that God has given us through Christ, we have everything we need in, in this life. For this very reason, all right, he said, let me just read this and then I'll, then I'll make comments, okay? For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control uh, perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, but you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, that's the passage that we're going to be looking at today. And there's a list and then kind of an explanation of that list. And so and even as I was starting to kind of get the outline going and where am I going to go with this, it was really hard to actually make points or like bullet points or an outline because because Peter actually doesn't let us do that. Um, let me let me take a little little break, a little time out, a little time out here. I have always been fascinated with Peter and studying Second Peter, which I've never really done before has really made me uh, appreciate the Apostle Peter a little bit more. In my mind, I always knew like the Apostle Paul uh, is just this brilliant individual, uh, very intelligent, uses, you know, big words and language to help us understand some very complex uh, the uh, theologies and doctrines of, of the Christian faith in his letter to the Romans and in Galatians and Ephesians. And, uh, and as I was studying first Peter, I fell more in love with the apostle Peter, but in my mind, I don't know what it is. I always, um, I've always liked the, like anytime I play a video game for, I always want the biggest guy on the, on the field, you know, or, or whatever it is. And, uh, one of my favorite basketball players growing up was Luke Longley. He was the center for the Chicago Bulls, which if you watch the last dance, they don't really talk about Luke, which is, which, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not mad. I'm, why would I be mad about it? Um, but I loved Luke, right? He was seven three, just a big dude. And I just, there was just something about that. Maybe just because I was the little brother that I just always wanted to be bigger than what I really was. Now I'm like, okay, please stop getting bigger. He'll <laughs> just leave it right here. And, and so in my mind though, Peter just kind of has that, he's the big guy commanding the room. He's going to yell at people. He's going to do his, I don't know, for whatever reason. But what I'm realizing when the more I dig into these passages, he is no big, dumb brute. He's he's not. He is a very intelligent individual who who precisely picks words to explain a deeper meaning. And and so it's just been kind of cool. All right. So it's hard to stop on this one. So what is it referencing to? OK, so he says right here in in, uh, in verse five for this very reason. Okay, so that word for, anytime you see the word for or therefore, you have to ask, what is it there for? 
Um, it's the same, same thing. So he's, he's connecting these thoughts. So he's about to, to use some language that when we first read it, we'd scratch our heads and go, man, what, I don't, I'm not sure if what he's saying equals up to what the rest of the Bible is saying. It almost sounds like he's talking about, I need to work. I need to do something in order to get God's faith or I need to, oh, okay. Which we're going to get into. He's not saying that. Okay. Cause he's saying four. All right, so everything he's about to say is, again, grounded on the first two, the first four verses we looked at, the grace of God. It's God's grace that gives us faith to believe. And now that we have that foundation, okay, now there should be something about our lives, our new creation in Christ that should be different than what it used to be. So he's going to go back to if four this very reason, what's the four going back to? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. His divine power, his grace, his faith, his righteousness has been given to us for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he says, he has given us a very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Okay. And this is where the bike reference comes in right now. What we're about to do is we're going to look at uh, a fancy term for it is Petrine, Petrine theology. Hmm. You feel smart when you say Petrine theology, Peter's theology, but this is, this is the idea of riding a bike. I don't care who you are. Well, unless me, I actually, now that I say that, I just pictured in my mind, Nolan, Bauer, maybe Nelson Zamora, maybe you guys are, you can do that thing where you get on the bike and you don't have to move. You know what I mean? You can just kind of do the little shimmy shake and keep it, keep it, keep it balanced. You know what I'm talking about? I can't do that. And I would consider myself a pretty good, pretty good bike rider. Uh, used to do some BMX back in the day. Um, when you ride a bike, you got to keep riding. You, you got to keep the pedals moving. All right. And, and if we stop too long, and we hone in on a specific verse or word and we forget all the four and the four and going back and reading this as we go. And that's why I was saying this was hard to make an outline because it's hard to stop. You just got to just gotta keep going with this, just like riding a bike. I can't just stop. We got to we got to keep going. OK, so let's let's ride this bike through Peter's theology of these verses. OK, because he's going to say this. For this very reason, make every effort, right? Other translations, the King James and the NASB, they say all diligence, right? That sounds, sounds like I got to do something here. And if we take that away from all of the rest of the theology of Peter and Paul and Jesus, we're missing it. We're going to, we're, we're tipping over on our bike and we're going to crash and it's going to hurt right into that stupid little brick wall. I'm not, I'm not angry about it. So when we look at this, he's saying for this reason that we're grounded in the grace of God that's given us everything we need, he's saying now make every effort with all diligence that it takes this. There is something here. There is something about the Christian life and the Christian walk that takes work. It takes effort. Um, I had uh, my brother-in-law made fun of me last time I saw him about, he's like, man, I feel like you use Jurassic Park as an illustration, like in every sermon. And I was like, that's definitely not true. 
Um, and, uh, but then I, as I thought about it, I was like, man, I guess I, I guess I do. So I, I'm going to mix it up and I'm not going to use Jurassic Park. Um, I'm going to use the Lost World, which is the second Jurassic Park. So totally, totally different movie. Um, and, and anyway, so but this is what happens. A guy character in there and he's kind of the IT guy. And Ian Malcolm, uh, Jeff Goldblum, he's trying to get this satellite phone to work and he can't get it to work. And so he starts banging it on the on the car, trying to get the satellite phone to work. And the, and the IT guy goes, violence and technology, not good bedfellows. OK. What what Peter is saying here is that laziness and godliness, not good bedfellows. That to pursue godliness, to pursue to be more like Christ takes some work it takes effort on my human part but i'm gonna i'm gonna get there okay what does that mean what is is it god is it me is it us yes 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 okay let me let me oh yeah luther martin luther said this that they that is christians should prove their faith by their good works now, again, he's not saying should, because, again, we don't just want to focus in on one little thing that even Martin Luther said. Is he saying they should prove their faith by their good works? Because if they don't have good works, then they must not have faith. No, their faith is what motivates them to have good works. Right. We we are redeemed, saved by the blood of Christ. And now I get to do good works. I don't have to. I get to, and I actually want to, but what Peter is saying here is that faith without works is dead. That's what James says, and that's what Peter's saying. That's what the Apostle Paul says. It's the same thing, that we ought to be doing these good works. Why? Because we love Jesus, and everything that we need for salvation has already been given to us by Christ, but now that I'm on this side of the cross and I love Jesus, I want to do these things. Even the Apostle Paul, I say this every week. I end the service every single week by quoting these verses. And, and there's a reason for it, right? And I say, right, you can say it with me. I'll say it out loud, right? You've been set free to be free. Let's go prove it. We got we to gotta do something, right? We can't just sit there in our little Christian cocoons and our little monasteries or whatever it is and just love Jesus and, you know, together and woohoo, let's kumbaya. We got to go do something. We got to prove it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't. How do we stand firm? That takes work. It takes effort and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, of the law and sin. We've been set free from that. Let's go prove it. In seminary, I had a uh, professor, Donald Whitney, and he wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Faith. And, uh, and I remember I got this book and, and started reading it and you tell you what, you want to be at like one of the, you know, best sellers in the United States. What you do is you teach a class to a bunch, uh, you know, I don't know, 500 students and then require the book that, that you wrote <laughs> as the reading. It was kind of a weird move. I thought, but anyways, uh, spiritual disciplines, right? Those spiritual disciplines of the Christian faith. And I, when I first started reading it and I had to critique it, which is weird, you got to critique a book that your professor wrote, Ugh, not good bedfellows. Okay. But what I said in my paper was I struggle with this because here's why I had just come out of legalism. I had just come out of a, of a sect of Christianity that focused so much on me doing good things 
and and proving it externally the way I cut my hair, the way I I wore my shirts, right? This is for sure illegal. Hair wasn't allowed to touch the collar. Wasn't allowed to do those things. Wasn't allowed to have a beard, right? So I'm out. <laughs> um, it was so focused on the externals that I forgot the grace of God. And so when I started reading this book, it was like, no, man, it's not the gospel. But no, he's not arguing with the gospel. It's not love Jesus, that, that he gives us faith and grace plus good works equals salvation. No, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But what Peter and Paul and Donald Whitney and Martin Luther and everybody else who's ever written a book, not everybody else, but a lot of people within our circles have said, this isn't about works. And yet we ought to do them. All right, I'm going to quote uh, uh, Tom Schreiner here, Thomas R. Schreiner. Um, he's got a commentary that I've enjoyed reading through. He's got a, it's, it's kind of lengthy and it's kind of heady. Okay. But, but just stick with me. Okay. Let's stay on the bicycle of Thomas Schreiner here of, of this quote. He says, believers are to add to or supply with their faith goodness. Okay. So he, again, he's kind of going to, I haven't gotten really necessarily to the words, but add to your faith goodness. Okay. Here's, Here's what he says. In Greek culture, a benefactor uh, of furniture. Sorry, I've got like a weird blur on my paper here. Benefactor uh, furnished what was necessary for choruses. Okay, so some kind of production or chorus, all that kind of thing. Uh, Yeah, sorry, Chaz distracted me. Yes, Chaz for sure would have gotten expelled um, for more reasons than his hair. Uh, okay. Sorry. Okay. A, a benefactor who would furnish some kind of chorus. Okay. So there was some, something going on. Um, and those who did, uh, such went to, they were, they were, they were generous and lavish benefactors. The word arete, probably best translated moral excellence was used in one three. Okay. So now it's referring back to Jesus's goodness, right? That he's given us everything we need by his goodness. Okay. So now it's saying add to your faith goodness, but everything we've already gotten is from Christ. Again, the four, we got it. We can't forget the fours. Keep, keep pedaling. I pedal with my hands and my feet. I don't know if you do that. Okay. So, uh, okay. Probably best translated. Okay. Was used in one, three, this goodness to designate by what God has called believers. He's already done the calling. He's already done the saving. God's call, we argued, is effective. That is the lot. That is, God says, I choose you. I'm going to give you my faith, not because of anything you've done or anything you will do. It's purely because I love you, period. He says it is, it is effective. He creates, listen to this, God creates the moral excellence he demands. Hey, Brian, you're a sinner. You have committed high treason against me. You deserve the death penalty because I demand excellence. I demand perfection. Oh, wait, Brian, you can't do that. But wait, you're in luck. There's more because it's not just about you. It's not about you at all. Actually, Brian, I'm going to give you the goodness of my son, Jesus. And so that moral excellence that he demands, he also gives to me through Christ. Hence, it follows that the moral excellence of believers can only be attributed to God's grace. And yet, 
New Testament writers never polarize divine sovereignty and human responsibility. God did it. He gave me everything I need. And yet I still have something that I need to be doing here. Those whom God has effectively called to virtue are also to practice virtue with energy and intensity. The only reason that I can do any good is because of the goodness of my Lord and God, Jesus Christ, who has gifted me with his goodness by grace alone. It's the only reason why I can even begin to pursue anything to allow me to point others to Jesus is because he's already done it for me. All right, stay on the bike, stay on the bike. Four, for this very reason, make every effort, what, to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and mutual affection love. Now, we could sit here and we could go through all these, this list. I'm not going to do that. Um, there's different opinions on this of like, well, there's eight. You know, that's a that's a number of completion. And once we get all these, if we perfect these, we'll be saved. It's not. No, that's four, the four. It's got to go back to Jesus. All of this goes back to Jesus. The order here doesn't matter. Um, some people argue that the order builds on top of each other. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think that that's how this would work. Um, I can have faith and then goodness, but then knowledge. How do I know how to be good if I don't? If, you know what I mean? Like, I don't the order here doesn't matter. What I do think matters, the ultimate thing is the final one, which is love. All right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be this culmination that everything, the, the, the maximum thing that I can do as a Christian is to love. And this is phileo. This is Philadelphia. This is brotherly love. That I would love my brothers and sisters as myself. I would put them over me. Jesus says by their love. By your love for each other, they will know me. That's what Peter's getting at here. And so we have all these things in this list here. Um, this is actually a list. It's actually called a uh, uh, sorites, sorites, sorites. Um, and it's an argument. This is the definition from, from Webster. An argument consisting of uh, propositions so arranged that the uh, predicate of any one of the forms of the subject of the next and the conclusion unites the subject from the first proposition with the predicate of the last. <laughs> Duh. Webster. And we know, we know that. It culminates though in this love that I have faith and I add these things and it takes work and effort. And I add to this finally culminating in love and love for one another. And love for each other, bearing one another's burdens, loving one another. And Jesus said that by our love for each other, that they will know him. That takes work. Like, I love all of you, everyone that's listening on here, at least that I can tell who's on here. I love you guys. I love I love every single person. Is that easy all the time? Uh, no. I mean... Chaz, I mean, I'm sorry, Chaz, I keep picking on you, man. You know, I love you. You know that. Coming to my house today, just like Zacchaeus, wee little man. Okay, now he's going to keep going. All right, so we can't stop. Okay, so keep, keep, let's keep tracking. Let's stay on this bike in verse eight, four. Okay, still pedaling, four. So now these verses, verses eight, are going back to this list that he just gave, this list that we have here. 
this list that we have here, keep going. That's okay. So this next four is from that. That list goes back to the grace of God in saving us. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that verse right there, verse eight could, it could be very manipulative. I, I could, I could take that one verse right there. I could hone in on it and just say, if you don't possess these qualities that are mentioned previously, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love, if you're not doing that better than me, you should be increasing that. And if you're not, you're ineffective. You're unproductive for Jesus. Whoa. Whoa. And yet... If I look at this, I'm based on Christ, then I, again, should, ought to fill in the blank, and I want to pursue these things. And then he says, but whoever does not have them, these qualities listed in the previous verses, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. They've been purged. Right right here in the very next verse, he adds in the gospel. Your sins are gone. They're removed. They've been thrown into a fire. They've been removed as far as the east is from the west. We forget that. We forget that we've been forgiven and saved. And so therefore, we forget. And therefore, we're ineffective. Because I'm not acting like a Christian. I'm not acting like somebody who actually loves Jesus. Okay, so let's keep going with, let's keep going with Peter. Because he's going to do that. We're going to stay on the bike. And then he's going to say it again. Therefore, this therefore is going back to what he just said. That for is going back to these verses. And those verses are all going back to Jesus. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Again, it's, it's God doing that. There's nothing in calling and election that I can do. I can't do that. It's all God doing that. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, it's all based on Jesus here. So if we, if we get focused on one little leaf, this one little verse, oh man, it looks like we, we earn our salvation. We forget that that leaf is part of a branch. It's part of a tree. It's part of a forest. That is the grace of God. And we grow in grace through faith by Jesus' goodness. <laughs> so again, therefore, my brothers and sisters, what's he saying here? You, you. You make, human, Christian, every effort to confirm your calling and your election. This is not, I need to do these things and then God will confirm my election. This is me doing these good works to confirm to myself that I really am a believer. Because again, I can't do those good things without the help of God. I need him in my life to help me do these things. And what he's saying when I, when I, when I focus on this and I work on these spiritual disciplines to become more like Christ and to love others the way Christ loves me, then you will never stumble. What Peter is saying here is stay on the bike that is Jesus. Let him pedal and do the work. And yet at the same time, maybe it's a, it's a tandem bike, right? If you will, when it comes to my growing and my grace 
and pursuing these good qualities that we ought to be pursuing in a Christian life so that we don't fall away, so we don't commit uh, apostasy, right? so that we stay united, we hold on tight. Hebrews over, and the, the book of Hebrews in the Bible over and over says, hold fast, hold fast. If I pursue the qualities in verses 5 and 6 based on the foundation of God's grace and merit, I will never fall away. And I will confirm my calling that I can look at my, now am I going to, am I going to do those things perfectly? Am I going to always have faith and goodness and knowledge and always be fully self-controlled and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection and love? No, no, I'm not. But thank God my salvation is not based on me alone. It's based on Jesus alone. So in application, what steps can we take to add to our spiritual disciplines? I didn't really get into that. I think that's another conversation for another day of what, what can we do to, to be disciplined in our life, right? What, what can I do to, to make sure I'm really getting in the Bible? Here's what I do know. The Apostle Peter says five times right here, knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of Jesus. Everything in this is based on the knowledge of Jesus. So maybe one of my spiritual disciplines that I need to really work on is getting to know Jesus. Study more, read the Bible more, get involved in some study group, listen to a, a, a podcast. It's going to help me understand this thing. All right, let's be disciplined about this. But then at the same point, how can we trust in what Christ has already accomplished for us on the cross, again, to motivate us to do good works? I should want to do these things because of what he has already done for me. Let me go ahead and pray, and then we will, as always, enter into a time of communion. We'll sing some songs, and again, I've got a couple uh, announcements to make at the end of this. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you that all these things that, that, I, that can feel so heavy and burdensome, that we would, as the apostle Paul said, to not submit under that yoke of slavery, that this is not, what Peter is saying here is not law that my salvation does not depend on me being perfect. Christ already did that. And yet, would you help us to pursue godliness? Would you help us to pursue goodness and faith and knowledge and love and mutual affection so that we can point people to you? So we can share with them the freedom that we have in Christ. So God, I pray that you'd be honored. I pray that you'd be glorified now as we sing, as we reflect on communion together and what your son has already done for us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.